Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Fun conversations that you can share forward. It's what we do every day on arrow.net, A R R O E.net. All right. Let's do it. Let's play it forward. These are real people, real stories, the struggle to play it forward. Episode number 413 is with author Greg Brenecka, the creator of the book, Impact. Doing great in non-snowy California right now. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you the thing. One of the biggest shockers of California to me was we we flew out to San Francisco. We got a convertible. Oh, we're going to do the Pacific Coast Highway with the top down. No, we froze (laughs) our butts off, man. That's a different world out there. Oh, my God. It's cold, yeah. (laughs) But, you know, being out there in California kind of reminds me of uh, I grew up in Montana. Meteors were a major part of our lives because that big sky country is wide open. It's a canvas. Yeah, you could. There's no light pollution up there. You can see everything. It's great. What what got you into meteors? I mean, what, was it the fact that things were falling, or was it just the the great mystery of what are these things? Uh, I got into it just because I liked being outside, uh, and I, I kind of was a trained as a geologist in undergraduate, and then got into graduate school, and and uh, you know ended up just taking a class in in meteorites, and just really found them fascinating objects, and, and the fact that we could learn so much from them about the early solar system. Uh, that's where I got hooked, I guess. The name of the book is Impact. I'll tell you, there's a lot of science classes that better be putting this inside their rooms because you unveil some things I had no clue even take place. Yeah, thanks. Uh, there's a lot of lot of stuff we get uh, from meteorites that I think a lot of people are are very surprised at. And I certainly was one of those people when I was taking this class in in graduate school for the first time. And and that's like I said, why I got hooked is because there's just so much that are contained in these things. Uh, they're such diverse, interesting objects. Well, 100 tons of extraterrestrial material is added to the Earth every day. What? What? How? Do, how? <laughs> I know it's crazy. Yeah, like it, I like to think of it as seventy-five Volkswagen Golfs are coming our way every day, uh, but luckily they're they're just small bits, uh, you know, basically in dust form. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of dust uh, that's that's kind of fallen from outer space, and you know, some of these rocks are, are you know softball size or you know even larger sometimes. But most of the material we get is in the form of dust. Uh, but it's a it's a lot of material. Yeah, when I read that about the hundred tons of stuff coming down, the first picture I had was Wally out there and just just putting around, just trying to clean up the planet. Because if it looks, are we really a dust collector? Uh, you know what? That's what gravity does. Uh, exactly. You know, we're a dust collector. The, the sun's a dust collector. Everybody's a dust collector. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, now what's, what's this that meteorites uh, actually stop wars? What, what happened here? So actually, it was uh, it was an uh, I believe it was a situation in in ancient uh, Mesopotamia or I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, not Mesopotamia, Anatolia. Said the wrong thing. Uh, there was a, a battle going on. Um, and, uh, you know, we had a cosmic event and both parties just kind of were like, 
Ah, they looked up and were like, you know what? Why are we warring? What what are we doing? And they just kind of stopped. Uh, and that was, you know, kind of a really interesting period of history, which kind of both both sides agreed to just kind of lay down their arms because they had something really interesting happening in the cosmos. Well, meteorites are part of the reason why I enjoy summer here in the Carolinas, because we get those showers that last like it can be three, four nights in a row. Right. Yeah. They're really spectacular when you get to see them. But they've got to be on the horizon. You talked about eye pollution before. That's the one thing that big cities, you know, they, they kind of miss out on the opportunity. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, light pollution is certain, certainly a big problem for people that, who enjoy looking at the stars. Uh, you know, you need to be in places like uh, rural Montana. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great one, of course. Oh, my God. That If it wasn't a meteor shower, then it was sonic booms that would just scare the hell out of you. so so now in essence are meteorites aliens uh i guess how you define alien uh they're certainly not of this world so uh you know this this world being earth uh so yeah i guess in that case they are aliens well because they Uh, they come down here and they change what we're doing i mean it's part of our evolution yeah, absolutely. I mean, they they have certainly you know changed basically everything about Earth. Uh, it would it would nowhere near be the same place. It'd probably just be a a dead hunk of rock if it wasn't for for meteorites. Um, so. Yeah, I, I keep waiting for Pfizer to announce that. Well, we were we 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 know we had COVID taken care of, but boy, we really have it now because it's coming from a meteorite. We're we're going to take some of the minerals from this thing, and and it really works. <laughs> I, that would be, you know, that would make people notice meteorites for sure. I, yeah. I, this book would have nothing on that. Now, one of the things that, you know, the, the skies and stuff like that have always affected different religions and things like that. I, I, I didn't know that meteorites really actually, uh, you know, touched the religious world and, and it changed some people. Absolutely. Uh, you know, probably one of the most important turning points in, in Christianity, for example, uh, is that St. Paul, yep. um, you know, originally was, this, the story goes, he was certainly against uh, followers of Jesus. And, and then he was, you know, on this trip and, and this large meteorite airburst happened, knocked him off his horse. Uh, he went blind for a few days and, and then he basically converted and became this, uh, evangelist for Christianity and, and really kind of turned Christianity into what it is today, uh, as opposed to just a, a small following. And that actually, you know, is very consistent with a meteorite airburst. And, and, you know, we see a lot of those types of, uh, medical things happen in, in, you know, there's a, a, an airburst in 2013 in, in Russia in which people went blind for a few days wow. and something fell off their eyes, like in the, like in the story in the Bible. So, you know, this is, this is kind of, you know, based on science is, is this can actually happen. Uh, and, and so that's one of the major inflection points in, in Christianity. And there's, there's quite a few more, um, as, as well, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's really remarkable um, how, how much uh, these things have, have affected different religions. Are they pieces, parts from planets or from, from comets? What, how, where, where are they coming from, this, this dirt, this dust? It's, it's kind of a mix. So, you know, some of them are, are failed planets that didn't really get big enough. Oh. Uh, so they're kind of small, small planets that it formed, and we call them planetesimals. Uh, some of them actually are pieces of planets. So we have chunks of Mars. Uh, we've got over 300 pieces of Mars uh, in the form of meteorites, which is nice because we don't have pieces of Mars otherwise. Um, and, you know, some of them are, are, you know, possibly pieces of comets, like you mentioned. Uh, there's, there's definitely some speculation on some of the different types of meteorites that have a lot in common with uh, some, some comets that we've been able to study. Speaking, speaking of Mars, do you think Perseverance is getting, you know, beat up by some meteorites over there in Mars? Because, I mean, I mean they've got gravity, do they not? 
They definitely have gravity. Yeah. Uh, so probably, I mean, chances of, of perseverance getting hit is the same as, you know, a, a mini Cooper getting hit here on, on earth. So it's, <laughs> it's probably, probably not in too much danger statistically, but it's actually, uh, some of the rovers found a few different meteorites on Mars, uh, as they were driving around, they found a couple iron meteorites, which is kind of really, really cool to think about finding a meteorite on a different planet. So now the average person, if they were to go out, I, I wish I could take everybody on the little tours that we used to do on the ranch in, in Ranchester, Wyoming, when I was a kid, we used to spend hours out there looking at all the rocks that, that were in the open fields thinking that this has got to be a meteor man because it doesn't look like a normal rock <laughs> yes uh it is it is very common to to just kind of hunt around and, and look for weird looking rocks and sometimes you get lucky and sometimes it actually is a meteorite uh but it is it's pretty difficult to tell the difference uh you know sometimes so the, the easiest way is to actually see one fall of course and then right. you know it's uh, then you know it's a meteorite would it not be hot if you were to rush over to it uh, actually, they're usually quite cold, so what? they they kind of have this fireball streak as they come through the atmosphere, and then they reach terminal velocity, and then you know they just kind of drop after that. Uh, but but these things have been you know sitting in in you know sub-zero temperatures of space for you know billions of years, so the interior is actually quite frosty uh, when they fall. So the the outer millimeter or so is the only thing that that gets hot. Man, it's 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 like dry ice from outer space. That's yes, even colder actually. Oh my God! Now what? What is crazy? What have you personally learned from all of this? Because I mean, you know, the attraction is is that you keep growing with it. I mean, what? But you've got to be learning new things. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, we you know continue to learn uh, in an immense amount. I mean, the study of meteorites didn't really get started until you know we were starting to gear up for the moon. Uh, moon landing. So, you know, this is a very, very young science when it comes to actually what, what we've learned from meteorites. Um, we, you know, my group is is really focused on kind of time scales of how planets form and, and how the sun formed and how, how long this actually takes. Um, so that's one thing we we look at as a group. Uh, and I find that to be really fascinating about how, how fast it takes to form the sun or, or different planets. Just, just the fact that if, if I found one, how old is it? And how could you ever tell? You'd have to meet up with a scientist like yourself. Yeah, so almost all meteorites are, are probably on the order of 4.5 billion oh years old. Uh, I know, with a B. That's really, really old. So this is the very start of the solar system. Uh, you know, there are some some meteorites that come from, like, the surface of Mars or different asteroids that are a little bit younger than that. Some Mars is a geologically active planet, so there are volcanoes that are... So you can get stuff that, are, that is much younger, you know, in the millions of years uh, um, old from, from Mars. But most of them are, are quite old, which is, which is great for us, for people that like to study the very early solar system, because they are these ter- perfect time capsules. Now, how, how did King Tut get his hands on some so he could have that knife? <laughs> well, you know, talking about light pollution, you know, the ancient Egyptians definitely didn't have any light pollution. So that was that was one benefit. Uh, and, and probably what happened is that, you know, they've got large uh, expanses of, of desert and, and probably they, you know, not only did they see a lot of meteorites fall, but they, they found probably a significant amount of iron meteorites. And ancient Egypt, uh, they were not able to, to make iron. Humanity wasn't basically able to make iron in its you know, kind of elemental form to make weapons and, and, and metal until kind of you know, 900, 1200 uh, BCE. So you know, in the time of ancient Egypt, if you found a chunk of metal that was this big shiny rock that you know, was hard and, and had all these properties that you couldn't even make uh, with your current technology, you know, that's a pretty valuable thing. And, uh, and, and that's why you know, King Tut probably had a knife uh, that was made of, of meteoritic iron because it was such a valuable 
you know, just metal that just couldn't be produced in ancient Egypt. Oh, can you imagine being in a battle with that knife? And, and you're, you're, you're stuck with, you know, a stick, you know, and you take yeah, on that Yeah, you're, you're battling some guy with a, a giant knife or a sword that's made of some metal that you don't even know exists. Yeah, it's, you're fighting a lightsaber or something right now. Wow, yeah, I was going to say, talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi here, man. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny, there's actually some stories of, of uh, historical figures that, that uh, you know, say, you know, wielded a, a, a weapon from the heavens. And, you know, so it's possible these, you know, people were actually using these types of tools in battle and became famous because they had properties that uh, people couldn't create at the time. So if we're being pummeled with 100 tons of, you know, extraterrestrial material, what's happening up there with the International Space Station? Are they getting hit? Because I sure don't hear stories about that. It, you know, uh, most of the stuff we get is is in dust form. Oh. So I'm sure they're getting hit by by small pieces of dust, and that's not too big of an issue. Uh, so most of the material that actually comes is is in really small dust form. Uh, we're not getting pelted by you know large basketball sized uh, rocks that often. Uh, they do happen, but they're pretty rare. Um, so that's uh, that's that's kind of where we are with that. Uh, it's it's not too big of a danger uh, simply because space is so gigantic and there's not that many large items that are hitting us. So when we, when we see that falling star, as we always call it, but the meteorite that's, that's falling, is it, is it large? And then, and then, because I mean, how does it make such a large streak across the sky? Uh, it's going really fast. Most of the, the shooting stars that we see are actually small pieces, you know, about the size of a piece of sand. Right. Um, so most of those are actually really, really small pieces. Uh, it's, it's rare to have something, you know, tennis ball, softball sized, uh, you know, that will certainly cause, cause a, a streak like that. But most of them we see are actually, you know, kind of sand particles. Uh, that come into the atmosphere. I mean, because, I mean, that's all I read anymore when I'm, I'm, I'm on my Google News and all that kind of stuff. A meteorite was 29 whatever thousand miles from Earth, and they make them look like they're bigger than a refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, it's it's fun to be sensational about the size of these meteorites. Most of them are pretty small. Uh, you know, it's not going to take too big a one to cause a major issue, uh, you know, on Earth, but, but uh, you know, chances are fairly low. Yeah. So how does the ocean play out in all this? Uh, you know, uh, from a from a contemporary standpoint, I mean, there's large swaths of the ocean that actually receive a lot of, uh, you know, kind of ingredients and, and nutrients from micrometeorites, like we were talking about these little sand particles um, that they don't have, you know, things like phosphorus or iron uh, sources. Uh, so there's, you know, plankton in, in the middle of, let's say, the Atlantic, uh, get a lot of their, you know, phosphorus and iron from above, they get they get micrometeorites. And that's, uh, largely how they are able to survive. So do you think uh, that some of that washes up on the shore and we just think it's part of the sand? Uh, most of it is probably dissolved in the ocean or oh. used by uh, life. Uh, I mean, basically, once a, once a meteorite is, is going to land in a big puddle of salt water, uh, it's not going to last too long. Um, so it's unfortunately ruined for science at that point. I kept waiting for you to tell me that, well, the, the meteorites, more of them land at the Bermuda Triangle than any other place on the planet. <laughs> It's like a funnel, yes. <laughs> well, speaking of things like Bermuda Triangle, the, the Aztec text really had kind of a different kind of a vibe about this. They did have a different vibe. Uh, they, they actually believed that meteorites were basically poop from the gods, yep. <laughs> uh, which, is, which is a really fun way to think about what I study. I love that. Uh, oh, I can't wait to share that with my grandkids. I swear to God, they're uh, going to love it. Look, man, they, they, the gods are <laughs> farting on you right now, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, are you going to turn this into a podcast? Because this is the kind of stuff that I would listen to driving to and from work. 
Uh, you know, I don't have the, the radio skills that you do, so I, I won't be able to, to, to make that leap, I don't think. I think I'll stick to the safe writing and that I can go back and correct things if, uh, you know, I make a typo or something. What, <laughs> it is really interesting stuff, though. I, I, I hope somebody, you know, uh, does that. Well, you, you do make it interesting and you make it, you know, like a like a, a coffee table book. You know what I'm saying? It's like I, it's one of those where you don't want to set it in your, your where you put normal books. You want it to be there to where that when boring TV is on, I can pick it up and I can pick something up from my imagination. Well, thanks for saying that. I, I really tried to make it uh, interesting to as many, pe- as many people as possible. Uh, there's a lot of you know science books out there that are that are not really accessible to non-experts, and I, I definitely wanted as many people as possible to to be able to read this and, and understand why we do what we do and, and what meteorites have given us as a as a planet and culture. So why why did it take so long to to study meteorites? Why did it have to take the trip to the moon? Because I mean, because we've always been interested in outer space. You know, we have. Uh, why it took so long is, is a great question. Uh, part of it was technology. Uh, part of it was that the technology that was invented to go to the moon and to study samples from the moon uh, parlays perfectly into studying meteorites. And that technology just simply didn't exist before. We could look at them and we could say, okay, through a microscope, these are different objects, but, but getting at how different they are and what that actually means uh, wasn't really possible until we had the machinery and technology that the, that the space race basically created. Um, so that's that's definitely part of it is a technology aspect. The, the Chinese landed on an asteroid last year and they, and that brought back some some physical evidence of that. I mean, you do you find that fascinating? And do you think we're going to do that more often? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, the, the JAXA or the Japanese Space Agency brought mm-hmm. back pieces of uh, Ryugu, uh, which was a. a, a, a what's called a carbonaceous chondrite type uh, meteorite. And, and actually NASA is doing the same with OSIRIS Rex mission. And uh, it's really fascinating. You know, I like to think of it as bringing the meteorites home, uh, <laughs> you know, going, going to the meteorites and, and bringing them home. Uh, but yeah, these represents really, really pristine samples that have, you know, obviously no adulteration from, from earth. Uh, and, it, and it's really a, a cool thing to be able to, to be part of. I look forward to being able to get some of those samples for sure. Well, speaking of samples, how would you like to get some of those samples that Perseverance is picking up right now? I mean, I mean, I realize we're years away from even just looking at it, but wouldn't you like to be first in line? Oh man, man. I, I hope I'm still in science when those come back. Uh, I, I really hope so because it's super interesting. And, and while I, my very, yeah, while my, uh, you know, part of study is not really looking at, at life and clays and things like that. Uh, man, it's interesting stuff. I, I really love the kind of risks and, and cool things that we're doing up in space. It's really, really interesting. Yeah, it's it's almost become cool again. I mean, I mean, I, I love the fact that people are interested in what's going on up there. Yeah, I mean, this is what happens when we start, you know, sending cool things to cool places. Uh, exploration is is something that that humans have always loved to do, and 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 restarting that program is really really important, and it inspires you know kind of the youth to get involved, and then you got even even brighter minds coming up behind us. It's great. Wow, you, dude, you got to come back to this show anytime in the future. The door is always going to be open for you. Hey, thanks a lot. This has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Well, you be brilliant today, okay? <laughs> All right, the same to you, man.